The scripture this morning will be from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. Paul writes, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. Jesus, I can't wait until we get to heaven. I can't wait until the worship doesn't have to end. And we can sing to you with all of our hearts, with the angels, and with people from every tribe and tongue and language and nation forever and ever and ever. I just can't wait. And I thank you for nourishing us now, Lord. I thank you for giving us a taste of what heaven will be like this morning, leading us into sweet worship, allowing us to see your face. I love you for that, Lord. Lord, and I also love you for what you did in my life 22 years ago this morning when you took a rebellious, sin-sick, self-centered young man, put a Bible in his hand. I read First John, and by the third chapter, I was saved. October 26, 1986, 22 years ago today. And I give you glory for that, Lord. And I give you glory for the fact that you're still saving souls this day. Jesus Christ emptied himself and took on the form of a servant, becoming obedient all the way to death on a cross, that he might glorify the Father in the salvation of the lost. And I love you for that, Lord. And I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, Lord, I just simply pray that you'd open their eyes to see you for who you are. May they see the beauty of who you are, Lord. May they understand that you're not about religion and you are not just a crutch for the weak. You are a stretcher for the weak and the sick and the dead. You are the Savior of the world. You are Jesus Christ, the one who created all things and the one who sustains all things. And how I pray that you would grant sight both to unbelievers and to believers this morning. Lord, I give myself to you now and I pray that you would help me. ask you to help me physically as I woke up feeling pretty sick this morning. And I ask you to help me spiritually as I bring a a sensitive, tender word to the church today. Help me to be bold about what you've given me to say and help me to be humble about what you've given me to say. And in all things, I pray that you would use your word to shape your people. How I take comfort in that, Lord, that you will not let your word go out void, but it will produce the effect that you sent it out for. And I love you for that and I trust you for that now. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts Be pleasing in your sight, our God, our Father, our Rock, and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we do begin in earnest our meditation on Ephesians 5.22 through 6.9. 
And these verses address the nature of submission and authority in the lives of wives and husbands, of children and of parents, and of masters and slaves, or in our culture, employees and employers. Last week I shared several foundational thoughts with you about these verses, and I want to reiterate two of those. And then I want to add another foundational thought, after which I will bring us into verses 22 through 24. And we'll talk a little bit about that this week. I want to extend the conversation to next week as well. So three things, foundational thoughts. Number one, the main topic of Ephesians 5, 22 through 6, 9 is submission. Submission is a vital part of worship, and therefore we are still essentially talking about worship. I have been addressing worship for months now, over the summer. And what I'm saying is still for the next following weeks, I think this is probably, we probably won't get to 6-9 until January, we're still talking about worship, essentially. The main person in view in this passage is not wives or husbands, children or parents, masters or slaves. The main person in view here is God Almighty and what He's done for us in Jesus Christ. And the main thing that we're being called to do here in these verses is to respond in a certain way to the beauty of what God has done for us in Christ. Now that we have been saved by grace through faith, our sins have been forgiven, the chains have fallen off, we are free to know Christ, to grow in Him, and to be with Him forever and ever and ever. Now that all that's true of us in Christ, how shall we act toward one another? That is the point of these verses, and therefore the point of these verses is about God, and therefore the point of these verses is about worship. Number two, Jesus Christ is in fact right this moment, and He always will be, Lord over everything. And therefore all things are submitted to Him. When wives and children and slaves are called to submit to husbands and parents and masters out of reverence for Christ, They are primarily being called to submit to Christ and then only secondarily to each other to at a horizontal level. The main thing that's happening in these verses is we are being called to live our lives in submission to Jesus Christ because all things are in fact submitted to Him. The call to be submissive is the call to respond to the gospel, again as I said, primarily to Christ. And the call to lead as a submissive leader is essentially the call to lead as under the authority of Jesus Christ. And so, we will be helped greatly if we remember in these verses that the primary thing we're talking about is our relationship to Jesus and not our relationship to one another. Finally, number three. I did not share this thought with you last week, but this is another foundational thought that's really important to grasp when we go into what we're talking about. When God calls us both to submit to one another or or calls some of us to submit and others to lead in a submissive way, He is not calling us to do anything that He Himself has not already done. God Himself has shown us what it looks like to live a submissive life. God Himself has shown us what it looks like to, to lead with a submissive spirit that cares about the good of the other, that cares about the benefit of the other, that is not just concerned with his own ego and with puffing up his own agenda, but is concerned with the other. God has displayed these things for us in vast measure. And so when he calls us to lead, and when he calls us to submit, primarily what he's calling us to do is imitate him. That is the main thing that's going on here. 
There are many ways I could show you this. In fact, we could spend the whole sermon, I was tempted to spend a whole sermon showing you how God has a submissive spirit, which I know is probably a funny thing to say about God, but I think it's true. And how He leads with, with benevolence and kindness towards those He leads. But I'm not going to tank the whole sermon. I just want to focus on Jesus and, and elucidate this a little bit. So let's talk about submission first. Jesus Christ is eternally submitted to God the Father. He always has been, and He always will be. Now, we don't worship three gods, right? We worship one God as Christians. But we believe that that one God comes in three persons. The Father, the Son, who is Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And there's an order in the Trinity. The Son is submitted to the Father. The Holy Spirit is submitted to the Son and to the Father. This is eternally true. This is not a temporary thing. This is eternally true. In His submission to God the Father, Jesus Christ willingly took on flesh, took on the form of a servant, and became obedient to His Father all the way to death on a cross. Or another way you could say that is, Jesus Christ displayed His submissiveness to the Father all the way to death on a cross. Father, even if You call me to give my very life, I will obey You. I will submit myself to You. He is eternally submitted to God like that. And please don't think that his submission was always easy for him because it wasn't. We're not going to read this, but you could look in Hebrews 5 to see where it says Jesus called out to God with loud cries and tears because it was hard for him at times. Or just think about him in the garden, how he agonized over what the Father was calling him to do. Have you ever stressed over something God was calling you to do to the extent that you sweat drops of blood? You ever done that? I haven't. But Jesus did. Because for Him in that garden, it was agonizing to follow in the steps that the Father was calling Him to follow. So He said, Father, please, if there's any other way, let there be another way. Yet, yet, not my will, but Your will be done. Right? Friends, that is the heart of submission right there. It's the surrender of the will to God's will. Not my will, but your will be done. So, the particulars of what our Father asks us to do in any given situation is not actually the main thing that should occupy our minds. The main thing that ought to occupy our minds is growing in a humble spirit that says, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Whatever you call me to do, I will do. Wherever you call me to go, I will go. Whatever you call me to endure, I will endure because I love you and I trust you and I know that you're wiser than me and I know you have plans that are greater than my plans. I know you see things that I don't see. I know you will work all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So because of what you've done for me in Christ and by the Holy Spirit, I surrender my will to you. Not my will, but your will be done. That is the heart of submission. And that is how Jesus Christ lived his life. He said in John, I don't do anything on my own. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Friends, that is submission. That is how Jesus lived his life. That is how he died his death in absolute surrender to God. In a few minutes, I'm going to try to give a sharper definition to the word submit. But honestly, I don't think I could define it any better than that. To submit is to surrender the will to God. And that's a beautiful thing. And it's a thing that Jesus Christ Himself 
did and is doing and forever will do. And because Jesus did that, what does Philippians 2 say? It says that God the Father has given Jesus the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow and every tongue confess to the glory of God the Father. What does this display? It displays that submitting to God will come with great reward. It will come with great reward. In the moment, submission to God is not a pleasant thing at times. I'll grant you that. But it always comes with great reward. For Jesus, it came with the greatest reward. The name that is above every single name. Now, we need to see something here though. Even though Jesus Christ is exalted right now in the sight of the Father, and even though right now His name is above every other name, He remains in a submitted position to God the Father. He is now and ever will be submissive to the Father. It says in the Bible, Jesus sits where? At the right hand of God, right? That's another way of saying He's in second place. He's sitting with the Father, but He's sitting in submission to the Father. And then remember last week in 1 Corinthians 15, we saw that when all things are in fact put under the feet of Jesus, what will He do? He will hand them all over to God the Father so that God the Father will be all in all. These are ways of saying that Jesus Christ is in submission to the Father. Beloved, we just need to grasp this. Jesus Christ has an eternally submissive spirit. This is the heart of who He is. And this is really good news for us, by the way, because He is tremendously powerful. He is so powerful that by the word of His power, He created the whole universe and He sustains it all. He's that powerful. And yet He's humble. And He's submissive. And that's really, really good news for us. So when He calls people to submit to other people, as Christians, essentially what He's calling them to do is imitate Him. That's what it's about. He is not calling you to do something that He Himself has not done. He is saying, come and be like Me. Come and be like Me. I submit to the Father, you submit to whomever I'm asking you to submit to. Please keep this in mind. He is calling you to be like Him. Now on the other side, when it comes to leadership, and the call to lead for the good of the other, not for the ego of the person that is leading. Jesus has also shown us what this looks like. And this time, let's turn. Would you turn with me, please, to Philippians 2? We'll just read a couple verses there. I just don't think there's another few verses that are clearer about the way Jesus used His power for the good of other people. Paul writes this, Philippians 2, starting in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what's Paul trying to say to the Philippians here and by extension to us? He's saying, notice Christians, how Jesus Christ took his great power and position and used it so that God might be glorified in the salvation of others. Notice how Jesus was not concerned with his comfort or with his convenience. 
But he laid down everything in his power for the good of other people. And therefore, act like him. Lead like him. If you have power in your grasp, if you have authority that has been given to you by God, use it for his glory and the good of others. Do not inflate your ego. Do not use it to increase your power, your position, your prestige, your possessions. Use it for the good of others. When Jesus Christ calls us who are in authority positions to lead in that way, He's not calling us to do something He Himself has not done. He's already done this for us. And believe me, this is a hard calling. I was just thinking about this morning that part of what this means is that husbands who have been given authority by Christ are to wake up in the morning, put their feet on the ground and say, Jesus, what can I do to lay down my life that my wife might know you better today? That my wife might have a better day today. That she might gain wings to fly in the sky of Christ today. What can I do to die to myself that I might help her know you better? That's a hard calling. How many of you men wake up thinking that in the morning? I don't. I don't. And so I'm being called to die to this man and to live to Jesus Christ. And that's a hard calling. A very hard calling. But Christ himself did it. That's what I'm trying to point out here. He's calling us into something that he himself has done. He's saying, come and be like me. Come and display to the world what I look like when I lead and how I am humble. And how I pray, brothers and sisters, with all my heart that we will get this. We prayed this before the service over in that room and we prayed this before the service over here, that we would get this. When we start talking about the practical aspects of submission that all of us would not forget. Mainly what we're being called to do is imitate Jesus Christ. No matter what position you're in, the privilege that you're being called into is to become like Jesus and to display Jesus. This whole thing about submission and leadership is not primarily a horizontal conversation. It is primarily a vertical conversation. And I hope in Christ that we will see that. Okay, with that I want to move on to talk particularly about verses 22 to 24. So if you'll flip back to Ephesians 5, please. And I have four things that I want to say about these verses this morning. I have at least one more thing I want to say next week. And then my hope next week is to talk about some practical aspects as well. Some of the what ifs or or what have you. But I want to uh, begin this morning by reading these verses again carefully. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. First thing I want to do this morning is I want to define this word submit. A lot of debate out there about what it means. It's actually pretty simple, and I want to lay that on the table. In the Greek language, this word literally means to arrange under. So if you're to literally translate it, it means arrange under. Therefore, by extension, it means to subordinate or to subject one thing or one person to another. So to submit is to subordinate or subject one person to another. Now, please hear this clearly. This word does not mean or even subtly imply in any place that it's used in the Bible that the person who is being called to submit is inferior to the one to whom he or she is submitting. Inferiority and superiority is not the point here. 
It's about roles. It's about roles. So one person is submitted to another, but this does not mean that the one submitted is inferior in mind, in spirit, in capacity, in talent, in any way, shape, or form. It's not about those kinds of things. It's about playing a role. Therefore, submission does not mean that the one who is being called to submit is of lesser value in the sight of Jesus Christ. This is not the picture. This is why Paul says, and I believe it's Galatians 3.28. Yes, it is. Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, every person who is in Him has equal standing before God. As I've said to you many times, picked up from one of my pastors years ago, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. It's level. There's no superiority, humanly speaking. There's no inferiority. That is obliterated in Christ. However... Leadership and submission is not obliterated in Christ. The idea that some are called to lead and others are called to follow is not obliterated in Christ. This is why Paul can say to wives and husbands who are equal before the Lord, he can say, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives, lay your lives down for them. They are equal in being, distinct in roles. That's a phrase I'd really like you to remember. Write it down if you can. Equal in being, distinct in roles. And in this case, God has called husbands to lead and wives to take the submissive position. Not about inferior and superior at all. That is not what's happening here. It's crucial that we understand that. But He is calling us to take roles. So equal in being, distinct in roles. And hopefully in the coming weeks, I'll be able to take some time to talk about the beauty and the wisdom of God in assigning these particular roles. It's not for nothing that He did this. And we need to just trust Him and take the respective positions that He has given us. So that's number one, the definition of submit. Number two, please notice with me, Paul commands wives to submit to their own husbands. To their own husbands. In fact, three times out of the four times in the Bible that wives are commanded to submit to husbands, that word own is inserted in there. Wives, submit to your own husbands. I take this to mean that women in the church are not called to submit to all men. All women are not being called in this verse to submit to all men. That's not the call here. The call here is for wives to submit to their own husbands. That's a crucial thing. Not all women are called to submit to all men. Particular wives are called to submit to their own husbands. Now this doesn't mean that women who aren't married don't have to submit to any men. And this doesn't mean that married women don't have to submit to men who aren't their husbands. All women are required to submit to the governing authorities, for instance, right? And some of those are men. All women are called to submit to the elders of the church. And biblically speaking, all of those should be men. But their submission to those men is not distinct from their husband's submission to those men. Men and women alike are called to submit to governing authorities. Men and women alike are called to submit to the eldership of the church and and, and other things as well. So the only distinct calling to submission on women that I can see in the Bible, and I'm open to conversation about this, but I, I don't see another one, is for wives to submit to their own husbands. This is one relationship that we're talking about. So women... My word to you about this is clothe yourselves with humility toward all men. We're supposed to do that, right? Every believer 
is supposed to be humble toward every other believer, right? No matter what their status or position or whatever. But no, you are not being called to submit to every man in this church. You're being called to submit to your own husbands. Men, clothe yourselves with humility and please join me in working hard not to walk around this church strutting around like we all have power over all the women in the church. We don't. We don't. If you have a wife, you have authority in your wife's life. You do not have authority in the lives of all the women in this church. So please work with me to create an atmosphere at glory of Christ where women are treated with respect, where women are treated with dignity, where women are treated as equals in Christ because that's exactly what they are. In Christ, no man, no, no male, no female. That means we're equal in Christ. The only women being called to submit to you is your wife. Unless, of course, you're an elder or, I suppose, a police officer or a mayor of a city or something like that. But even then, the, the submission of women to you is not distinct from, their, from male submission to you either. So women, again, you're not called to submit to all men. You're being called to submit to your husband. And I pray that we create in this church a respectful, humble atmosphere toward one another. Number three. I want to focus in now on the marriage relationship. The Lord God has vested a great deal of authority into the husbands, and therefore it is required of wives to submit to their husbands. This does not come from the church. It does not come from the culture. It does not come from the men themselves. This comes from the Lord. And I see this in several places in these verses. First of all, look with me at the end of verse 22 there. Notice that Paul says, that wives are supposed to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord. As to the Lord. Now, honestly, Kim and I talked about this earlier this week. I just don't know how the Lord, how Paul could have stated this in any stronger terms. I mean, what could you say that would make submission more serious than submit to this person as to the Lord? That's very serious. But, let's be clear here. He's not saying submit to your husband as though your husband is the Lord. That's not what this means. Your husband is not the Lord, and no man is supposed to be followed as if he is the Lord. That's how cults start, right? A guy rises up and says, I've been given the final wisdom from God, follow me. And and, and that guy should not be followed. Bad marriages start when a husband gets a big head about his authority in Christ and starts telling his wife to look at him as though he's Jesus. He's not Jesus. But what this phrase does mean is, submit to your husbands in the way that you would submit to the Lord. With the spirit that you would submit to the Lord. With the attitude that you would submit to the Lord. With the seriousness that you would submit to the Lord. However you would conceive of yourself submitting to Jesus, you're supposed to submit to your husband with that same kind of air, with that same attitude. And so how would that be? Well, a few words that came to my mind. As I just thought about my own submission to Jesus, what would that look like? I would submit to Him with humility, with respect, with a willing heart, with a positive attitude, with thankfulness, without grumbling, without complaining, etc. However you would approach Jesus, that is how you're to approach the authority of your husband. Not as though he is Christ, but in the way that you would approach Christ. So one way that this occurred to me this week is that women are being called to live as though Jesus was their husband's. Not as though their husband is Jesus, because nobody but Jesus is Jesus, right? We're clear about that. But you're being called to live as though Jesus was your husband. How would you act if he was your husband? Whatever that answer is in your mind, that's how you're supposed to act toward your spouse. Now, 
The reason I think Paul makes such an amazingly serious call here for the wives to submit to the husband is what he says in verse 23. And the, the truth of the ordinance of God there. So please look with me. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. In the Greek language, this word head, just like in English, it most often refers to a literal head sitting on top of a body. But just like in English, it can metaphorically be used to mean someone who is in a superior position or someone who is of superior rank, like the head of a corporation or the head of a household or, or however. And obviously, in this text, that's how the word head is being used. It's being used to describe a superior rank, if you will. Not superior in being. Remember, equal in being, distinct in roles. But I think the message is pretty clear. Even as Christ is superior in rank to the church by the command of God, so the husband is superior in rank to the wife by the command of God. Equal in being, but distinct in roles. Evangelical feminist scholars have tried for two or three decades now to argue that this word head does not mean what I just said it means. I'm telling you, whole chapters and volumes have been written to try to undo what I just told you this word head means. But it's very interesting to me that in the last year or so, all of the biblically honest ones that I'm aware of have conceded the debate and said, indeed, that is what the word head means. It implies that the husband has authority over the wife. But now what they're arguing is that that was a matter of culture in that day. So yes, indeed, Paul did say, husband, you have authority over the wife. But that had to do with the culture that he was writing to. If he was writing Ephesians to America in the 21st century, he wouldn't, he wouldn't say that because this really is a, is a cultural thing. But I promise you that in the coming years, they're going to lose that debate. Those of them who are intellectually honest and biblically honest. Because Paul does not ground the husband's authority in culture. He, he grounds it in the decree of God. Look there again in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And again, in 1 Corinthians 11.3, you don't need to turn there, but you might want to note that. 1 Corinthians 11.3. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Now please follow this. If Paul is grounding the authority of a husband in culture here in these two verses, he's also grounding the authority of God the Father and of Jesus Christ in culture. We know for sure that he is not grounding their authority in culture. Therefore, he cannot be grounding the authority of the husband in culture. He is saying that by decree of God, the husband has been given a leadership position, the wife has been called to submit. Not superior and inferior, but distinct roles. This he is grounding not in culture, but in the decree of God. And it doesn't get more serious than that. Because that means whether or not we take our roles has to do with our worship life toward God. If we rebel against this, we rebel not mainly against each other, but against God. Very important. One more place I see the seriousness of what Paul is calling for here. And that's at the end of verse 24, where you see those words, in everything. In everything. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And I thought for quite a while this week about what that means. And what I think that means is that wives are submit to submit to husbands in every sphere of life. 
the, the, the sphere of authority in the, of the husband in the wife's life is not restricted to spiritual matters. It has to do with everything. Anything that is involved in a wife's life is under the authority of her husband. Submit to your husbands in everything. Humble yourselves before your husbands in everything. So is the call to headship from God to husbands and wives. And I, I frankly find it stunning. I, I really, I said to Kim after I studied this, I think it was actually about a week and a half ago, I spent hours and hours looking into these verses and I just said to her, honey, you have a really hard calling. You have a very hard calling because you're called to give up your desire for leadership and come under my authority. In a couple of weeks we're going to see, I think I have a harder calling. And that is to die to everything in this heart that wants to live for myself. And there's a lot of it left in here. After 22 years of walking with Jesus, it scares me sometimes how much of that is still in here. I have to die to that. I have to die to that and use the authority Jesus has given to me to bless her and to lift her up and to empower her. And as I said earlier, to give her wings to fly in the sky of Jesus Christ. I have to die to myself that she might live in Christ. That's a hard calling. It's a hard calling. And on both sides, it takes my breath away. Beloved, I say this as humbly as I can. Anyone who is intellectually and spiritually honest with the Bible must admit that there is no wiggle room here to reduce the amount of authority that God has given to the husband in the marital relationship. It is very strong. If you're going to be honest with the actual words and sentences of the Bible... I don't think there's any way to, but to come to the conclusion that God has put us in a position of authority and asked wives to submit to our leadership. So wives, I say to you again, with all my heart, you are not inferior in being. This is not what this is about. This is the wisdom of Jesus Christ that's saying, I designed marriage to look a certain way. So out of reverence for me, take the role that I have given you. Husbands, lead with humility. Wives, submit with humility. You wives are being called to submit to your husband's authority out of reverence and love and respect for what you see Jesus Christ doing in marriage and in your own life. You have been called to submit to him out of, out of respect for his wisdom and saying, you know better than I do. You have a vision that's greater than I have. And I love you and I want to be like you. Think about Abraham and Sarah. Think about how much they would have been spared in their lives if they would have just trusted God and followed Him, the whole Ishmael thing would never have happened. And probably many of you would agree with me that we're still paying for that Ishmael thing to this day with Abraham. If they would just have listened, we would have been spared all of that. And so what I'm saying to you is that God is calling to you to turn your eyes to Jesus. This is not mainly about your husband. This is mainly about Jesus. Turn your eyes to Him and say, Jesus, I trust you. You have wisdom, you have, you have benevolence, you have mercy, you have love in your heart, and whatever you call me to do, I will do. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Now, man, before I move on to point four, I just want to say quickly, you probably picked up from my tone, but I really long for us not to get a big head about this. We have to work hard not to get a big head about this. This is not God saying to you, men, you are the bomb. You know, you are just so great. And greatly to be praised that I had to invest all this authority in you. Not so. The more you understand about what God has given to you in your flesh, you will feel it as a burden. Believe me, brothers, what this means is 
on the day of judgment, you will answer to God for the state of the soul of your wife and your children. You will be the one that God calls on. You will be the one who has to say, the buck stops here. This is you. You are being required. You are being called to step up and lead in the way that Jesus would have you lead. This is a hard calling. And it's not something to get a big head about. It is something to get excited about because we're being called to imitate Jesus. We're being called to display in our most intimate relationship what it looks like when Jesus has power over people. And that is a great privilege. It's a great, great privilege. But for now, please work with me this week. And in your homes, in your homes, don't go home and say, Wife, ha, ah, pastor really told you. You have to submit to me. Make me breakfast. You know, don't do that. Put your feet on the floor. Say, Jesus Christ, how can I serve my wife this morning? How can I cause her to love you more this morning? So let's work together to keep our egos in check. Finally, point number four. Wives, not only are you being called to submit to your husbands, but you're being called to submit in a particular way. And that particular way is with a, a willing spirit, with a willing heart. And I see that in, in, a, in a, an aspect of the verb submit, which is going to cause me to have to go into some grammatical detail here this morning. I don't like to put a lot of that into my sermons because I think, frankly, for most people it's really boring. But every once in a while, grammar really affects meaning. And here's one of those times. And so I want to take just a few minutes and go over some grammatical things with you and, and, and then hopefully you'll see that it was worth these couple minutes. One aspect of every verb in English or in Greek is what they call voice. The voice of a verb describes the relationship between the action of that verb and the subject of the sentence. Action of the verb, subject of the sentence. And in Greek there are three kinds of voice. There's the active voice, the passive voice, and the middle voice. The active voice means that the subject of the sentence is doing the action. So here's a silly sentence, for instance, Jack got out of bed. This is an active verb, got, because Jack is doing the action. And now, in the passive, it means that the subject is receiving the action. So uh, an example of that would be, Jack was pulled out of bed. Now some of you parents are saying, Amen, I know what that's all about. Jack was pulled out of the bed. The words pulled out are passive because Jack was receiving the action from somebody else. And then in Greek, this isn't true in every language, but in Greek, there's a middle voice, which means that the person is doing the action and receiving the action. And probably the best example I could give is, Jack got himself out of bed. Jack pulled himself up and said, I don't want to get up, but I'm going to get up. He did the action, and he received the action. Some of you are now also saying, Amen. That's me. I have to get myself up out of bed in the morning. Back to the word submit. Apply this to the word submit. In the active voice, this verb means to put someone in subjection or to make them submit. It means, I use the word carefully, but it does have a sense of I force to submit. I make them submit. That's the active voice. In the passive voice, this means to be in subjection or to be forced to submit. So maybe I don't want to do it, but someone else takes the power that they have and they make me submit to them. Or they make me to submit to whomever I'm supposed to submit to. Finally, in the middle voice, this verb means to willingly subject oneself or to voluntarily submit. This is a really important idea. Please hear this. You are doing the action. You are receiving the action. Cause yourself to submit. 
When Paul says in verse 22 that wives are to submit to their husbands, he puts the verb in the middle voice, which means that he's saying, wives, cause yourselves to submit to your husbands. Paul is not giving permission to husbands to make their wives submit. He's calling on wives out of reverence for Jesus to say, Lord, I love you and I trust you. I will do what you are calling me to do, whatever that is. Not my will, but your will be done. Last week I saw an abbreviated version of a movie that just came out. In fact, it's only in a few theaters around the country. But it's about radical Islam and it's called The Third Jihad. And online they have like a 30-minute version of it and I watched that. One section of the movie talked about submission and leadership in Islam, in marriages. And it was really interesting how they did this. They overlaid two things. One was the teaching of some of their clerics saying that it's right for husbands to make their wives submit even if that takes physical force. So they were bolstering the idea that it's okay to beat your wife. If that's what you have to do to get her to submit, then you do it. They weren't necessarily saying that's the first thing you should do, but they were saying it's good. And then as they were talking, they were overlaying this video of a man with a big stick or a, or a pole or something beating his wife. I mean, he was really hitting her. And she was cowering and trying to run away from him. And, and here's this voice over the top of the video saying, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. Well, that's not a good thing. That is an evil thing. And the call to submission in the Bible is about as far from that wickedness as you could imagine. The Bible is not giving permission to men to dominate their wives and to make them submit. Men, you are not allowed to use physical force. You are not allowed to use coercive language, shaming language. You are not allowed especially to use Bible verses and twist them and manipulate them to get your way with your wife. You are not allowed to, to force her. It is not the call here. It does not say, men, submit your wives to yourselves. It does not say that. It says, wives, willingly, out of love for Jesus, submit yourselves to your husbands. This has to come from the inside out. This has to come from the heart. This has to come from eyes that see the beauty of Christ and a heart that trusts Christ and says again to Him, Lord, not my will, but Your will be done. I might not like it, but if You're calling me to do this, I trust You and I will do it. That's how biblical submission has to happen in, if we're going to be biblical about it. A husband who lays his life down for her, a wife who gladly submits to him. This is the beautiful picture of submission that God has in mind. Now, just to be clear, wives, I'm not saying that if you don't have a willing heart, you're off the hook. I'm not saying that. Because you're not off the hook. God really has given husbands authority, and He really has called wives to submit to their husbands. And so if you don't do that willingly, you are rebelling against God, and you will answer to God for that rebellion. So lovingly, I say to you, be warned about that. You, you are required to obey God here. And it's, I'm going to leave it to you to figure out what that looks like, but I just want you to see biblically, I don't see any way to release you from this. God has called you to do this. But he's, in, he's issued the call to you in such a way as to say, let it come from your heart. Let it come from your heart. Trust me. Let go. Trust me. And just follow me in this. And be encouraged, wives. In a couple weeks, I'm going to lay it on thick to your husbands. So be encouraged. I'm going to try to create an atmosphere in your home where you long to submit to a man like that. 
If, if your husband acted like he's being called to act in Ephesians 5, you would not have one objection to submitting to leadership like that. And I'm going to try with all my heart to, um, sorry, to do that in my home and to create that atmosphere here at this church because we want men who act like Christ and not like a bunch of jerks. So let me submit, let me uh, summarize what I've been saying and then I'm going to bring this to a close real quick. Four points. Number one, to submit is to take the subordinate position. Number two, wives are called to submit in this way to their own husbands, not to all men, to their own husbands. Number three, the reason wives are called to submit in this way is because God Himself has vested authority in the marriage in the husband. And finally, number four, therefore wives, you are called to trust and respect God and submit to His design. This is not mainly about you and your husband. This is mainly about you and God, so trust Him. Let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for the wisdom of Your Word. I love You for giving us Your Word. It really is a lamp to the feet and a light to the path. And I pray for humility for all of us to follow in the way that You are leading us here. Please, God, call on the husbands in this room to repent from their sin and to begin treating their wives in the way that You treat the church. And please, God, call on the wives here to repent from their sin and submit themselves to you. And as part of their submission to you, they they willingly, lovingly submit to their own husbands. God, I can speak the words. I can labor as much as I can to show the ideal picture that you have in mind. But only you can transform hearts. Only you can shape families into the thing that you mean for them to be. And I just ask you to do that, Father. Please do the things that only you can do. And I ask you to do that in my home first, Lord. As the pastor of the church, I just want to say publicly, I want our home to be more like the home you're dreaming of. So we give ourselves to you in this, Father. We humble ourselves before you. We invite you into our marriage. We ask you to do what you will for the glory of your name and the good of your people and the joy of our souls. We love you, Father, and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.